Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen, amen. All right, church, how you living? How you living? In living color, amen. If you're here for the first time and you're wondering why we're playing a theme song to In Living Color during our hugs, it's not that we're that out of the box and that radical or that worldly. We're doing a, a, worship, a series on worship, and we're just calling it In Living Color. Amen? And so I'm excited about it. If you missed the first one, you can, you can see it on our website or on our MySpace. Some of you have been really um, listening to stuff on there, and I've been blessed by your comments, and, and I'm encouraged by that. So amen. So you can, always, you can download it there. You can, I think we can podcast it from there. For those of you geeks, we can podcast the sermons now and get them from there. Amen? All right. So in this series... In living color, I wanted to explore worship, man. And so we, we talked about it last week. We started last week talking about everything that we do is worship, right? And, and we, we talked right in the very beginning from Adam and Eve. And, and, and man, you got you to gotta listen to that if you didn't hear that because it's, it's, it's really something that you got to get. But what I want to do through this series is I want to introduce you to people. And, and I, I want you to hear the heart of worship from different people. So I'm real blessed to have um, sharing with you guys today, for the first time at the sanctuary, Pastor Sal, our worship pastor. Now, now you got to understand, you got to understand, I, I, knew, I knew this man when all I could tell him was stop going after the girls in the youth group. He was one of our first youth. And... It's a, a blessing and an honor, man, to, to now be working with him, to now call him our worship pastor. And, and understand that in that arena, he's comfortable. That's what he does. But over here, it's a different story. So I'm going to ask for a lot of amens, a lot of encouragement. Amen? But I believe, I, believe you gotta, I believe you have to hear what's in the heart of the worship pastor so that you can worship with him. Amen? So come on. Thank you. Thank you for shouting me out like that. Don't worry, I got some stuff here for you. <laughs> Amen. Well, last week we started this series about worship, and we, we really stressed about how worship is more of a lifestyle. And a lot of people were blown away, including myself, when you realize that worship, music is not worship. And that was, that was uh, maybe a tough pill to swallow for some of us. And... I've, I'm telling you the truth, I heard that phrase of worship is a lifestyle for many years. Pastor George taught me as a youth, I mean, he like, and it stuck with me forever. Because the whole, it, just dealing with the whole issue of character. I mean, don't let Pastor George fool you. That man is old. He's just, God blessed him with good looks. Because <laughs> I was a real little kid when he, talking to me about character. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm, I just want to let you guys know that I'm a firm believer of, you know, when you train your child in the way that he should go, when he gets old, he won't depart from it. He won't turn from it. And because I'm living proof. I'm living proof. He instilled that in me and, and messed me up. And I'm messed up forever. 
But that's good because you work on who you are and, and how you act and how you speak and how you uh, treat others. It's worship. It's your character. It's your lifestyle. Amen? So with that said, um, I just want to share with you what the Lord has been sharing with me just the past few weeks. And at first I thought it was, oh, yeah, okay, maybe it's just a little devotion that the Lord has given me. So I would jot it down or, you know, mark little things in my palm or something. But I, then I started realizing that, no, wait a minute, this is a whole revelation the Lord has given me as weeks go on. And he's giving me more and more information, more information. And I thought the words and on all these visions and stuff were for people. And I've even given out these words. I've even prayed, you know, with these people. But it turns out it's, it's I, I believe it's for me and it's for the church. It's for this time right now that we're going through. Um, and it has to deal with worship because a lot of the times, I mean, we talked about last week about how worship music is not worship and I'm going to give my theory and my belief on what worship is. And you guys can take it, uh, receive it. If not, you want to talk about it later. We can talk about it later. Let's talk to pastor George. (laughs) Right. But, um, what I, what I interpret worship is a constant conversation with the father. It's constant dialogue, constant communication with God. It has nothing really to do with music. Music is just a tool. It it helps us. It engages us into entering into his presence. And it's a powerful tool at that. But really, it's it's conversation. It's it's that whole relationship thing. You know, we hear so many times that, you know... um, I'm not a Christian or I'm not a Catholic. I, I'm, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. You heard that before. No? No one has heard that before? Okay. Well, that's what it is. That's what worship is. It's a personal relationship. So many times we visit other churches, and we touched base on this last week, when we visit churches and people were interested in, how was the worship? How was the worship? What was the worship like? What type was it? And I'm just piggybacking right now off of what Pastor George said last week. When, Since when worship is for us, it's for him. It's for him. It's, it, you know, we should be able to worship God at home. We should, be able, we should be able to worship God here. The same way here, we should be doing it at work, at home, in school. It's a lifestyle. We don't come in here to, in this place and do our little worship thing and then act like a jerk the rest of the week outside. It's... It's a lifestyle. So if anything, I'm going to go on a little bit long. Um, and if you miss anything, you have to remember, worship is a lifestyle. <laughs> um, I took up, I looked up some encyclopedias and some uh, dictionaries to look up the word, the term of worship. And a lot of them stated like this, as a reverent love, devotion for a deity or a sacred object by which love is expressed. And I believe half of that is true. Until you look up the Greek root word of worship, the Greek root word. Those never seen a big fat Greek wedding? <laughs> Proskuneo. And what that meaning says is to kiss the hand of my master, like a dog kisses his master's hand. I thought that was deep. Meaning to kiss like the dog at his master's hand by kneeling down to do homage and express the respect 
for a superior rank. That's the Greek root word of worship. And we don't, you know, those who uh, don't know, Bible was written in many languages, Hebrew and Greek predominantly. So, I mean, and there's many different um, words of the expression of worship. But I chose this one because it really, like, to get the picture, the connection here of a dog with its master. You know, a lot of us, those of us who treat our pets with respect and treat them the right way, you know, we love our, our pets. And you realize, I don't know, but, you know, I raised with my grandmother, we had a dog named Susie. And I don't know, since I was a kid or until I was a teenager, that Susie was always there. You know, it, it's, it's weird because then, you know, your kids and then your father's kids, your next kids, the next kid, the next generation knows that pet. It's weird. But the closeness and the relationship with the pet, the families associated with the, and, and the pet knows. Check this out. The dog knows. I'm staying with my master because my master, when I'm hungry, it feeds me. When I'm thirsty, the master gives me something to drink. When I'm cold, when I'm dirty, the, the master's going to clean me up. You see the, the, the connection, the relationship here. It's not that you're a dog and you're worthless, you're nothing. It's not like that. It's the communication. The dog listens. The dog knows that whatever it needs, the master's going to give it and supply it. Amen? Amen. I want to throw an example out. And a few weeks ago, we talked. We had um, a discipleship class here on a Wednesday night. And I gave a little example of um, when telemarketers call. Anybody get that going on at home? Telemarketers call. You pick up. Who's the father of the household? Or who's the head of the household? I am. And they, boom, the whole, com the whole paragraph they're reading. You know, and they don't even let you get a word in. I, sometimes I really can't stand. They always call at the wrong time, at the wrong. You know, you're right when you're in the middle of doing something, and and that happens. And I I took this. I mean, all right. I'm I'm very polite. I have realized that the person on the other line, this is what they do for a living. This is how they pay their bills. So let me just give the courtesy and the respect to listen to what they have to say. And then no, I'm not interested. I hang up. I know some people that will just be like, no, I'm not interested. Click. Or I even know some that will just play some crazy jokes and come out with a language, you know. <laughs> you know, but um, some people think also that they don't have a relationship with this person. I'm just going to click. And the Lord started showing me that, you know, sometimes we do that to him when we call. When he calls. When he calls us, we like... A lot of us know that caller ID too much and know it too well. And we choose when we want to pick up and respond to him. We choose that. And, you know, sometimes when we do that and then come here and start worship, our worship sounds like that annoying telemarketer that just called us. That's what our worship looks like and sounds like to him. Because he was calling us and trying to reach us all week long. And then we come here and we're just getting our praise on. And he's like, you didn't know me the whole week. And now you, you only call me when you need something? You only call me when you want something? Again, I, this is for, for what the Lord is showing me. And I, I believe this is for this time, for this era, for, this, for the church and this body. We need to have repentive hearts when we come to him. So with that, I'm going to pray right now. Lord, Father God, we just thank you, Lord.
Father, we thank you what you entrusted us with is with worship, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, that we can have a relationship with you and not just take it for granted anymore. Not just to take it as a plain vanilla phrase as, yeah, I have a personal relationship with you. Father, we really want to experiment that. We want to explore that, explore your love. We really want to go to the depths of knowing you. It's just like what our hearts cried out today, Lord. All we need is you. Everything that we need is is you, Lord. Help us to, to learn that, Lord. Help us to grasp that idea, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. With that said, everybody loves to worship. Everybody loves to praise God. And today I want to share with you a little bit of history because it's good to know God. It's good to know his word. It's good to know his voice and when he speaks and give out prophetic words and, and have dreams and, and set deliverance going on. But today I want to share with you your place in, your, in the kingdom. See, because you've got to know the whole picture. You can't just know what's going on just right here, right now, in this little thing. You've got to know the whole thing, the whole big picture. And today I'm going to give you a little bit of history and a short version Back to the beginning with Lucifer. We all know who Lucifer is. He was an angel in heaven that God had created for his purpose. The name of Lucifer means light-bearing, morning star. And those of you who have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 14, 12, 15. Those who are writing, it's Isaiah 12, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. I'm going to share with you two references in the Bible that is extremely important to know. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. It's written, Have you fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn? You've been cast down to the earth, who once lay low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. Lucifer was in charge of worship. He was designed like that. He was, he was made for that. He, he changed the atmosphere of heaven. He was in charge of that. He was in charge of setting the mood in heaven. Better yet, he knew what the Father liked. He knew how to please the Father. He knew how to touch his heart. He knew what God liked. But his, his, messed up was, his mess up was that he wanted to be higher than him. He wanted to be higher than God. He wanted to be not like him, higher than him. He failed to realize that his design was for God's attention. You understand? Stay with me. I know it's a little, it feels like you're in class right now or in a lecture. But it's good. Study's good. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17. Ezekiel 28, chapter 28. Verses 12 through 17. Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were in the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. 
You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You see how everybody gets this image in their head that he's like a gargoyle type or like a, this evil, twisted, like dark figure. But he was made of light. He was made of precious stones and jewelry and gold and things that we haven't even seen yet. He was light. He gleamed. I mean, you, you know, when you take a diamond and you put a light on it, it, it shines in different angles. Can you imagine? He looked like God a little bit, right? He was light. You were anointed as guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. Guardian cherub means like second in charge. He was right there with God. He was right there. He knew everything was going on in heaven. He was close to God. You are in the holy mount of God. You walked among fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Though your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you from disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O guardian cherub, from the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on your account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth and made a spectacle of you before the kings. God removed him from his position because God is not equal. God is not equal. It's not like this whole, you know, holy and evil thing that are equal. It's not. God is higher than high. There's no one higher than him. No one can be higher than him. He wouldn't share his glory with him. In the New Testament, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, and you don't have to turn here, but I have Matthew 4, 8 through 10. He took Jesus to the top of the mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. And I keep thinking of the Hebrew, the Greek word, prokru. Neo, proskuneo, which means to kiss the hand. See, Satan wanted Jesus to bow down to him and give him that respect that was worthy of service. And Jesus didn't because only God gets that respect. I don't want you to get it twisted when you hear the people say, that's devil music. That's, that music's from the devil. The devil never created music. God created music. The devil doesn't have any power to create anything. What he does have the power is to distort things. And that's why he, he trips us up. God created music so we can use it as a tool, so we can use it. And, and I believe we could have taken it higher, I mean, to another level of communication with the Lord. And it is. Sometimes we have some powerful worship services here or in other places. But the devil takes music and distorts it. And I, I'm, I love the arts as well. The God created the arts. 
And we can see how the devil turned, twisted the arts and just distorted everything and, and made it, you know, to even mock the, the creator. Or he'll even take, um, yeah, Lord. Let's bow our heads. We're about to go into our next phase right now. Worship is not to be taken lightly. Because the enemy used to control it. So Father God, I ask right now that you would just still our hearts. That you would remove any fear, any anxiety, any doubts right now, Lord. That you would just clear our minds, Lord God. That we would truly, truly get the impact of this revelation, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Enough talking about Satan. He doesn't deserve that much. He doesn't deserve that much time. Music is a powerful tool. I'm going to talk a little bit about music, and I'm not going to get into the whole scientific um, realms of it, but music we know today is, is very powerful. I mean, everybody listens to it. It's on your phones. It's on your computers. It's everywhere. Music is, it's, you know, it broads out. It stretches out to the stretches of the earth where we have different cultures and different languages. Even the blind can relate to it, right, by the vibrations and feel it. It's, it's like a universal language. So they say. Um, and now we see people using music as, you know, to get their political points of, point of views across. Like we can see 9-11 um, happened. They made a big tribute to that. Or Katrina happened. You know, things like that. Or even you've seen anti-Bush, anti-Reagan, Nixon, different things like that. And now everybody's heard this whole Don Imus thing, right? When they talk about the, the female basketball team. And now the community leaders are targeting hip-hop artists. Because they're realizing that, hey, this is affecting our generation. The way they call, they refer to women and they refer to the things and body parts of, of women and, and men. And it's like they're waking up now, right? And the church isn't raising this flag of awareness. But now we're holding the artists responsible for what they're saying. And I read up on, on some of these artists and some of these magazines, and, and I'm not going to shout any artists out, but a lot of the quotes I heard were um, some of the artists were justifying their songs and behavior, calling it a freedom of speech. Or, hey, it's in the movies, so why can't it be here in, um, in my songs? And I start to think, well, what, 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 how does that reflect your character? Well, what about your kids? You know, those of you who have kids, how, what, what, what are you portraying to them? What are you teaching them? What are you instilling in their, in their hearts and in their lives? Like they don't want any kind of responsibility. All they want is the money and the fame. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not judging them. But it becomes a problem when the society and everybody's affected by it. You understand? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying shut off your radio and don't even listen to anything. I'm, I'm not saying that. 
But what I'm saying is, and, and my mother taught me this is way back, way back when, when I was a teenager. And she said, oh, you like that song? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's hot. Everybody's listening to it. Do you know the artist? No. Look up the artist. Find out what the artist is all about. And why, why the artist made that song. And I was like, ah, that's too much work to do. We didn't have internet back then. Oh, I sound old. <laughs> but she shared that. And little did she know. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe she did know. But, but to look up the artist and see where the heart is and see what, what he's talking about and what he believes in, it took it to a whole other level that I wasn't even ready for yet. And nine out of the ten times, I would just, you know, go through one ear and out the other. Because I was so caught up into the music. The music is powerful. And why is it powerful? I'm going to share that with you today. But a lot of these artists, and we have to pray for them. Pray for those guys like 50 Cent or Chameleon Air or whatever. And all these groups and these bands. Pray for them. Because they don't realize some of them do and some of them, some of them don't. They don't realize the effect, the power that they have. That they're releasing out into the airwaves, into the iPod generation. They don't realize what's going on. And that's a cost to pay. We have to watch what we say. We have to watch what we do. We have to, as the church. In John 8, John chapter 8, 36, right after Jesus defended the women caught in adultery, the Pharisees came to attack him. And he was teaching at the temple. Starting at verse 36, John chapter 8. I promise I won't take too long. I'm almost done. 12 out of 26 pages. Verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are not ready to yet you are ready to kill me, because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you do what I have heard, and you do what you have heard from the Father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you nothing but the truth that I heard from God, and Abraham did such thing, did not do such things. You are doing the things your father does. And they said, we are not illegit- illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. I came from God, and now I'm here, and, I'm, and I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear me. You're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, he called it. You want to carry out your father's desire. When he, when he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, but from there, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and a father of lies. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can you prove me guilty of sin? I'm telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? He belongs to to God. He who belongs to God hears what God says. And that is the reason you do not hear because you do not belong to God. He was shouting them out. He was saying, I'm here. I'm here from God. I'm, I'm here to do his work. And you guys, if you hear from God, you would know I'm, I'm from God. But you're not. Who are you listening to? And the whole point he's stressing is about that, that fatherly. Whatever I see my father do, I do. 
And the Lord was just showing me that our generation is lacking godly father figures. We don't have that. We have a lot of fatherless children in the church, in our community, in our, in our, in our lives, in our families. Where are the daddies? And if so, what daddy are we going to follow? What daddy are they going to act like? What daddy are they going to look like, speak like? You know, is it going to be a good example or a bad example? And that's something we're, we're, we're lacking today in the church. I want to show you a picture, an example of worship. And for, I would say, about a few months right now, my son has been asking me to play this song that we, we do at home. And it's called the Super Joseph song. So where he got that from is where VeggieTales, if you ever heard of it, VeggieTales is like a cartoon animated kind of thing. And it's like uh, Saturday morning fun with Sunday morning values kind of thing, you know. So if you're not up on that, get it. If you have small children, they'll love it. But there was a superhero, and they teach about he was against um, anger or perseverance. He was, you know, up against these topics in life and trials and life experiences. So out of that, I'm going to – where's Joseph? Joseph here? Joseph, can you help me? We're going to do the Super Joseph song, okay? Hang on there. Let me get the guitar, all right? Do it right there, okay? So, this is the Super Joseph song. our little silly song that we have there um i did not want to do that and i was trying to figure out lord how am i going to do that in church he's been asking me for the longest now but um and you say how is that an example of worship i just gave you a picture of a father and a son having fellowship did you see that 
It was relationship. See, he knows I love him so much that I'll sing, I'll sing that silly song. Let that sink in a little bit. What we fail to realize sometimes is that he's willing to humiliate himself in front of you to be with his daddy. See, he didn't care who you are. He didn't care what you think of him. He just knows that this is my daddy. This is what I love to do. This is what we do. We're together. We're, we're, we can share this silliness thing going on. You know, but a lot of you probably won't understand that. But what you can understand is the relationship thing. See, he's willing to go. He'll, he'll humiliate himself. He'll act like a fool just to pleasure the father. We need to come to the Lord like that. And just as the kids went to the, when, when, when the kids uh, brought, when the people brought Jesus, brought the kids, to chil- the children to Jesus. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied here. You know the story, right? When everybody brought the children, the kids to Jesus, and the disciples said, no, 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 get them away, get them away. He said, no, bring them to me. Bring them to me, because that's how the simplicity of a child, that's how we have to come to the Father. See, Joseph didn't care. He didn't care what everybody thought. He didn't, he didn't care about it. He just wanted to be with his dad. If, if you notice, he was standing still, and as soon as I started playing, he started changing his body. He started, uh, okay, let me uh, get into this now. Let me, uh, you know, get myself ready to do his little thing. And that happens to us sometimes when the music starts and worship is ready about to start. And we say, okay, let me, uh, if I sit down, I'm going to be bored or fall asleep. So let me stand up. Okay, the music's starting. All right. Let me, I'll move a little bit. Okay, I'll raise my hands to the Lord a little bit, you know. And, and, and we, we start to change our body. Why? Because we want to engage ourselves into, into worship. Not to the music. The music is a tool that helps us engage into his presence. And by moving and clapping our hands and all that is, maybe we'll stretch that out in this whole worship series. But all that, even your clapping of your hands and stomping your feet and shouting are all weapons that we can use. And because we're, we're beating our flesh, we're telling our flesh, no, I'm not going to submit to you, but I'm going to submit, I'm going to abandon my will for his. I'm going to change. I'm going to actually really physically change. I'm, my body doesn't want to do this. My body's aching. My body hurts. I want to sit down. I want to be home in bed. I don't want to be here today. But you bring yourself here, and you bring yourself, and you take yourself out of that, that the normal. And you, you're actually telling your body, you know, I'm, I'm praising God. I am praising the Lord. The Lord started showing me a little bit of an example as well as in theater when an actor or an actress is playing a part. They study the role. They study the character. They get to know the character. They get to know uh, how the character acts or even if it was like a true life story, they'll spend some time with the person that's, that's, um, that's the story is about. When the actor or the actress forgets their lines, they can easily improvise because they stay in character. They know what the character is. They, know, they, they already know like, the, character, the character thinks like this. It doesn't do that. It's, it, that way, if I forget my lines, I already know who I'm acting like. 
and we're saying worship is a lifestyle, then we should be portraying godly character. We should be acting like Jesus. You know those silly wristbands, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's gotten overrated now. I think a lot of people just wear it. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. This means I'm a Christian. Does it? I mean, we have to stop saying, oh, you're going to die for your sins. You better go. We have to stop that. And we need to, you heard this, the phrase of um, practice what you preach. Well, we need to practice. We need to act out. We need to act out, God. We need to act out. Show people at work. Show people at school. No more grumbling or complaining or complaining, oh, you know, I hate this uh, coworker or what. You know, we have to get past that and start thinking and stay and remain in character. We have to remain in character. Earlier, I talked about Satan and where he came from and who he was. And I really wanted to stress that. Why? Because, because of Jesus. I, I need you to get the whole picture here. Satan was in charge of that worship. And now Jesus came, removed him, and now we have access to the Father. We can worship God here on earth and in heaven. We have the power to do that. He's given us the power to use music to engage into the presence of the Lord. See, the enemy doesn't want that. He, he just can't stand when you're in the presence of God. So he'll throw any kind of little distraction at you. He tried to occupy your time. Why? Because he knows when you spend time with the Lord and you get into his presence, you get strength. You get clarity in things. You learn how to make the right decisions. You know how to act in front of people. Not just church people, but outside people. The people who you daily interact with. You no longer have a quick, you know, you're quick with the tongue and, and start lashing out. You become obedient like the Father. Because you see what the Father does. You see what he does. So you do. So the enemy tries to throw in a lot of distractions your way because he doesn't want you to be that strong. He doesn't want you to be that smart. We need to build worship centers in our, in our minds. We need to build worship centers in our hearts and take these worship centers everywhere we go. I'm going to ask for my brother to come up, Ephraim. I was trying to leave here with an impact of how this whole worship thing as a lifestyle and, and um, how it really affects us today. And I thought, what better way than to write a song about the devil, about Satan? See, because we do to, what we do today, when we worship, we're taking his place. He used to do this. He used to have this job. But the Lord gave it to us instead. See, he wanted God's glory. And God didn't share his glory. But to throw it in the enemy's face, he shares his glory with us. His glory comes down and starts manifesting the presence of the Lord. We can have access to the Lord.
So I wrote this song, and um, I'm going to ask that you stand and change your positions. At first, I got a little fear came up in me because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, who am I up against? But we're daily up against this guy. And I think it's safe to remind him that who he is and who we are. Because we're not just some poor folk or something or some little believer in Christ. No. We have authority in Christ. We have power over the enemy. And the Lord has given us that. That power. You can help me by putting those lyrics up because I want everybody to read this. If you can't sing or something like that, you can read this because your words have power. We, we talked about the artists today and how, you know, the rap songs and they affect the, the industry today. They, 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 they're corrupting our kids. And our kids are, we have five, four-year-olds shaking their things like they shouldn't be. So this song is not for you, but this song is to the enemy. And this is the only way I know how to fight. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.